Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver. Here with Dane Lee, Lindsay Rossiter's back. Going to let Lindsay kind of intro today's episode. So listen to her. Such an important job. So today we're going to talk about, since Jess and I just competed over the weekend, um, we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about kind of like game day, competition day mindset as it relates to strength sports or any other sport. Um, But before we get into that, since Justin put together a very good meet, um, why don't you take us through your day and tell us about it? It It's a decent meet. It worked. Yeah. It all worked out well. <laughs> You're downplaying um, that a little bit. Yeah. So over the weekend, we both competed. Um, end up having a one of those meets where you just kind of find yourself in a zone where nothing feels too hard, and it, and it felt like you could have put anything on the bar um, besides my last deadlift, and and I would have hit it. Um, so I ended up going, you know, eight for nine. Started off the day. Um, you know, eight for eight, only missed my last deadlift there. But um, ended up total 19.01 in wraps. Uh, and how two, long have you been chasing 22. that total? Um, A while now. I mean, I totaled 18.57 about a year ago. Um, And then, you know, with, I was supposed to compete, you know, two different times this year with all the COVID stuff. It all kept getting pushed back. Um. You know, and I, in July, I stepped on, and I, I didn't have a great day. Um, I only totaled 18.25 that day. Um, so it was like one of those things, I mean, from totaling 17.95 close to three years, about three years ago, to getting to 19.01, you know, it took me it took me a little bit there. Now that 17.95 after that is when I had that um, second disc herniation. So it took me a little longer to repair, come back from that and everything. But um yeah, so 1901, I had seven, 711 squat, 474 bench, and uh, 716 deadlift. Jumped to 744 and uh, got it up, but just, you know, wasn't a great position. I, I think the strength was definitely there. I just wasn't strong enough to push through that shitty position. <laughs> I mean, that's all there is to it. So. so you came back from having a not very good meet in July to having a great meet where you sandbagged most of your lifts <laughs> and still got a pretty big PR this meet. Um, Hold on. I just want to take a second <laughs> because Justin is talking about, oh, I had a decent meet. And these numbers for someone like me are just ridiculous. <laughs> like I can't comprehend squatting, benching, or deadlifting any of this. So from my perspective, I want to say congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. It's the not, other I thing, guess, I, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I guess it's not terrible. Like when I, you know, I know he doesn't want to brag or of, anything. Of course, but. <laughs> like after meets, you're always looking like I was looking on open powerlifting. Okay. Like where would that place me? This year is a weird year. So I'm not even going to speculate on this year. Cause it is probably like a top 50 in the world total, which this year doesn't matter. But like, so I looked back at last year and that would still like last year's rankings when everyone or most people competed, um, it's still, I think like a, it's a top hundred. I think it was like in the 80 range, 80 something range in mm-hmm. the world. So it's like, it's not a, it's not a bad deal, but like, you know, people like us, that get to these levels. Like we're always looking at who's ahead of us. Like there's guys in my yeah. weight class that out totaled me by a couple hundred pounds still. Yeah. So it's like, I'm looking at those guys like total in 2k 2100, you know, and beyond. So. Um, and a lot of them are just outliers and it's just, it is what it is. There's always gonna be somebody better than you. So I remember watching a video. I don't know, Lindsay, if you posted it or, uh, Justin did, but it was one of his benches and you're just like shaking your head like after the press. Cause you're like, God, that looked way too easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was not a third attempt bench. No, it was, it was weird. Okay. So, um, and this kind of correlates into that game day mindset. Like I went in to the day confident, mm-hmm. you know, I knew that my deadlift, I was extremely confident in it. What was weird is I didn't exactly know like where my squat was going to be, where my bench was going to be, because my prep was a little bit wonky in a way. Um, I had been coming back from a hip issue 
you know, and we were repairing that adductor, like everything after that last meet that when I got into prep, we couldn't really push the squat early. And like when I was squatting in those low sixes and mid sixes, it just wasn't quite moving, um, the way I wanted it to, I guess. And I can remember four weeks out, you know, I had a day where I squatted 675, which actually was my heaviest squat of prep. And, um, it didn't really move too great. I mean, it was slow. It was shaky. It was just all over the place. I came back the next week and we pushed to like a 672. We used the kilos and everything. And it moved a lot better. And that kind of gave me a little confidence. Like, mm-hmm. okay, my squat will be there. But still going into the day, like typically my squats are right around each other. I, I It feels a little bit easier on meet day, but not like it did this time. You know, I went yeah. in and it's like, my, I posted in my story, my opener and my third attempt moved almost exactly the same. And the opener was 640 and third attempt was 711. So it's, it was one of those things like I probably still had 20, 30 pounds in there pretty easily. Like the 711 was the only squat that I took that I was like, I could feel, okay, I have some weight on my back and yeah, you know, I, let's see what happens. Um, and it still moved pretty good. So I think that once I did that and I had that, you know, three for three on squats, which I haven't done in a while in, uh, in wraps, um, uh, that's what set my confidence even higher for the day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we were, we were talking about game day mindset, it's like, I didn't go and I mean, you saw me, I didn't approach those squats angry. I didn't approach those squats. Like, um, you know, you're always nervous. I think most people, I, I was shaky and nervous for my opener attempt squat. And I always am. And I always tell lifters that like, just get that first squat out of the way. And that's why we open smart. Yeah. Something that, you know, you can hit, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on, what the atmosphere is like, what, how oh, you're feeling. Or warm up. Yeah. Just make sure you're in the meat. So when, you know, when I walked out for that one, it's like, I mean, my legs are almost shaking because there's just that adrenaline yep. build up, um, and nervousness of like, I need to get this to get in the game. And you know, what if they get me on depth? What if they do this and that? And, you know, you'll have to clear your head all, all that and just kind of go. But, um, you know, after that, I was just calm. I mean, I walked up to even to my third attempt. I'm like, I, I, mean, I know I'm going to. probably gonna... the calmest I've ever seen you, like, throughout the meet. Like, yeah. Yeah, I just knew. I just really knew I was going to. for was your last deadlift. Yeah. Well, I, I got to get hyped for deadlifts. <laughs> and, if you, and if you happen to be there and saw me, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a psychopath. So <laughs> people, I'm sure. Hey, but you turned you know. it on and off. It's, yeah. It's but that's the thing is, like, when I'm an aggressive person inside anyway. So, like, I can't. I can walk into a squat pretty calm, confident, mm-hmm. focus on all the things I got to do. Maybe let some internal pressure build up, some internal um, adrenaline build up, but it's not like I don't scream and get hype and go all crazy and stuff. Bench, I always pretty much stay focused. I may whisper some things to myself or whatever, but like I'm not too crazy. It's more of focus on setup, focus on your I'm technique. Not outwardly crazy. I just talk to myself. Yeah. <laughs> It works for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, on a deadlift, I can't walk into those. I don't know how anyone does walk into those calm. It's one of those lifts that, like, yes, it's technical, um, but I'm a conventional puller. So it's like, you know, you need the technique clearly, but it's it's pure rage at that point in trying to pick up um, what you can. And and some people do need that, but they. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing is, is being able to turn it off when you step off the yeah. platform or else... You're yeah. probably not going to have a good day yeah. because. Well, I, that's the thing is like when you, you know, this was like she said, probably one of my more calm meets. I was talking and I did this in my last meet too. I was talking to people between my attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was times I even smiled or laughed or joked or whatever between my attempts. And that's something early on in lifting. I were was like scared to turn I, it off yeah, ever. I was, like you were was, silent the whole day. You were yeah, angry the whole day. Angry you the whole day. You needed to be. And it, and it really is one of those things like you, you do get so many adrenaline, only so many adrenaline dumps that your body can handle. Um, so it's not good to get hyped for every single lift. Cause you're just going to fatigue yourself that much more mm-hmm. if you're trying to stay like hyped up all day. Even like my caffeine intake has dramatically dropped on meat day compared to what it used to be because I don't want that just turned on like heart racing pump all day. Yeah. I want to be able to turn it on for the 20, 30 seconds I need it, you know, if that, and then 
calm, you know? So it's like, even, uh, on those deadlifts, like I walk out openers, opener, you know, second attempt, got a little bit up for it and, um, came off, collect myself like, okay, where do we go? And I had actually like been kind of got ripped down a little bit in my trap and my, um, like scap and everything, that whole right shoulder, like I couldn't really retract it back. It was just kind of dead hanging. I put like, almost felt like knots in my back cause I got pulled down by the deadlift. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're trying to find someone with a Theragun. We're like getting some blood flow back into there, get everything feeling better. Um, but I would say that third attempt was the one that I was like, you know, okay, it's all this last lift of the day. Everything I have, like I, the, the room went silent. The room was blank. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And it was like, I'm just there with myself. Like complete tunnel vision. Yeah. And the shit that goes through my head is stuff I probably don't even want to talk about. So it's like, I mean, I need to go to that place to be able to, to go yeah. get a big deadlift. So, um, and if it's the last lift of day, the day, that's what it's meant for. Like that's uh, most lifters. Like that's what you kind of live for. You, you hope that you can bring it that last lift and get your last lift, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, I remember hearing stories about like some of the best athletes have that ability to, like you said, turn it on and off like mm-hmm. instantaneously where there was a guy who, I think it was a push hands competition. Um, and I'm not familiar with the sport necessarily, but they found it so interesting because as good as he was, he would basically be taking a nap like mm-hmm. in the stands yep. until it was his time. And like one minute before you just saw this like fire out of nowhere yeah. where you thought you can't possibly be ready. And he was able to do the same thing, yeah. which is like mm-hmm. when he needs it, boom, there it is. Yeah. Um, so it makes perfect sense if what you you're can, saying. If you can activate that fight or flight response on command, mm-hmm. it, especially as a lifter, and if you can stay in good technique, it's so valuable. It's just yep. like, um, you know, you hear these crazy stories of like some woman, 40 year old woman that doesn't work out lifting a car off of their kid or right. something. You know, it's like they didn't prepare for that. They didn't, that was an immediate response and reaction to what's going on. Right. Um, and they'll do anything to save their kid kind of deal. You and know? on the so, flip side of that too, like you said, you don't want that on your openers. You don't want that on every mm-hmm. single lift. You need to be you able to it. turn it off yep. like just as easily as turn it on so that like you can save it. Cause yeah. like you were saying, uh, anything you can do to conserve that stimulation you want mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. which is smart. Yeah. To bring in that many, you know, motor units and everything, all that, mm-hmm. basically everything the body can actually do. You're, you only get so many of those. Right. If you're in a constant state of arousal the whole entire day, by the time you get to deadlifts, you're, yeah, just, you're probably there. done. I mean, <laughs> I've been there. Like yeah. where you, you, you're just, you feel just dead. And part of that was being <laughs> less conditioned, but um, <laughs> part of that was just being up all day and too much caffeine and, mm-hmm. you know. Too thr- much rage. Too much rage. <laughs> so, um so I want to ask a couple of questions because we, you said squat went really well. You were super mm-hmm. confident in the first one. You felt kind of shaky, but that's something that you've worked on quite a bit is making sure you hit squat depth because yeah. I know with the, the ankle injuries and the knee injury that you have, like that's always a concern. Like, yeah. can you get enough mobility? And you felt good on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, adductor, you said was feeling good. We were working on that quite a bit. So what was the difference in preparation leading up to this meet? Um, whether that's the several weeks before, whether that's, um, let's say like the day of the day before, as far as keeping yourself healthy. Well, typically like when my fatigue starts to drop off and my hips start to, um, you know, loosen up, I should say. So you're always going to have this time. Like you go through prep, hit the heavy weights. There's a massive amount of inflammation throughout your, you know, especially me, like my legs, my hips, my low back. When that all starts to kind of drop off, as long as I'm still moving around and I do, I probably do a little bit more mobility, especially the week of not moving around and things. Um, but a lot of the inflammation drop off, I'm typically more mobile on meat day yeah. than I am during training. And it's, to me it feels drastic and sometimes it's screwed me where I actually take a squat too deep and I'm not prepared for that. And I come out of the hole real shaky, but, um, you know, I, I think the biggest difference is just keeping, keeping moving, keeping my body healthier. If that makes sense. The diet was on point. The sleep was on point. This, this is something I'll probably post about. It's like, sure. Yeah. The programming, I mean, clearly helped, but 
you know, I did all of my outside factors through prep. So my sleep was, you know, the best it could possibly be. Um, I think I only had a few nights during prep where I had like, you know, not great sleep. And for me, that's, that's really good to only have a few nights. Um, diet for the most part was on point the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went through some times like, you know, when I was real tired, um, you know, some days where it was hard to eat and stuff, but like there was nothing that really popped out during the prep besides the biceps that was like, I'm hurting like this. I can't do this. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember so it wasn't a lot working on you. Like was like two weeks out. I think this is easily the smoothest prep I've ever worked on you with. Um, And even the bicep issue that we had, we got to a point where it's like, what do we need to do? Yeah. We were actually like looking for things um, that we could spend the extra time on because we had the extra time because everything else was really dialed in and under control. Yeah. Again, that's, you know, you look at all the variables uh, that were on point. You got, you know, the programming and inside of the programming, like uh, there was things that I personally modified and I communicated with the coach like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I took this out. I took this out. I subbed this in because of this reason and stuff like that. And it becomes like body awareness in a way. So like if my back felt a little bit off, like, okay, I didn't do my good mornings that day. Did yeah. know, something else that wasn't as fatiguing on the low back. Um, so you know, I kind of have the little bit of luxury of like knowing those things a little bit, but you have to be aware of your body and know like when to push your accessories, when to kind of, okay, I'll push this one, but this one today I need to back off of a little bit, you know, and you, as a lifter, like people need to kind of understand that, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, not to get too far off topic, but all that, like for, you know, meet day, everything just added up. And that's, that's kind of what happens when, all variables are accounted for things just fly on meat day. And, um, you know, I know Lindsay had one a couple years ago, her last sleeve meet or whatever, where she went in and it was like every third attempt that day looked, <laughs> it looked, I mean, some of them look like openers, like it was <laughs> easy. Um, and she ended up, I think she got like a nine 20 or nine 30, nine 31. Yeah. That's my last sleeved meat. I mean, she, she left, 10, 15 pounds on every lift. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So, um, my first 300 squat, my first 200 bench and my first 400 pound deadlift yeah. all in one meet. And they all would you, like openers. You, would you bench 214? That yeah. Meet? And she blew, she still blew it away. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Same uh, with my squat. it was almost like we didn't, I didn't know what to pick. Like her squat, her third squat, like flew up to, I was like, well, that, I mean, we, <laughs> I just went up. I don't know. I, I mean, what are we supposed to jump to? And it's hard when you've not, when you haven't been there. So like this meet, you know, squatting only six seventy five and training to squatting seven eleven. And I I have a comparison video of like those two squats moving. Yeah. It's night and day, you know. And it's like I remember Jabez told me in prep that I could squat seven forty. He's like, it's not a strength thing. It's just you need to maintain good technique and and you know, work through the bar properly. Yeah. I thought he was fucking crazy. I'm like, dude, I And he probably could have squatted seven thirty, seven forty. Yeah, and he and he told me after the meet, he's like seven thirty eight. Would have been there. Would have been there. Yeah. I have no doubt. So um but it's one of those things that even though I didn't know exactly because my thing was I wanted to total nineteen hundred and obviously mm-hmm. do the best I could and all that stuff. I was fighting for I knew my deadlift was gonna fly. It had a great prep. Unless something magically fucking went wrong that day, it's going to fly. Yeah. Not knowing the squat. So my second attempt squat was 683. And honestly, like, I just kept thinking when I was planning my numbers, I'm like, if I hit that 683, I can be content because I know I can make it up on the pole, you know? And I think, you know, the reason 683 moved, the reason I jumped to 711 is like, you know, I don't know how anything above that's going to feel. And then also I want to hit that third squat to add to the total. And I know if I hit three squats, now I have a lot of leverage and, um, towards the other lifts that I can play with them a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, and then I know like, okay, if I happen to bench 463 or 468, I can, again, make it up on the deadlift to hit 1900. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, you know, my bench because of the biceps didn't have the greatest prep, but I ended the prep with a gym PR. So that kind of yeah. let me know like, okay, if I get the same boost that I normally do, I, I remember I told her 474 is going to be there, maybe 480, you know, but if I don't, then I don't, you know, then I don't know what I'm going to do, what my temp should be. And I opened 440, went 457 and then 474. 463. Did I go 463? Okay. 463 <laughs> and then 470. And they all moved pretty much the same. Yeah. It's like just, it was just one of those days like, okay, now I'm in the zone. Yep. So, um, I think you need like a, a lot of lifters go through this where it's like they hit certain numbers in prep and then they think like that's the end of like, oh man, and during the meet, like this is all I'm going to get kind of thing. Or like a lot of them don't understand one, just with that fatigue factor dropping off, you're probably going to get a little bit more at the meet Yep. as long as you peaked well and things, as long as you're doing all your, you know, nutrition, sleep, you know. Your hormones are good, all that stuff. Hydration, like as long as you keep it together, you're probably going to, things are going to feel easier at the meet. They always should. Yeah. And if they don't, then it, it's a bad meet thing. Something went wrong mm -hmm. in there. There's something that you screwed up that's wrong. And that's why tracking becomes so important because you can go back and look. And exactly. Say what fell you apart. Gotta, you got to pay attention to all that stuff. But, um, a lot of lifters don't understand that in, you know, we'll make a jump to certain attempts and you're strong enough for it. And it's funny sometimes how they miss them, like, or make them. And then they're surprised. It's you're, you're going to be able to do better as long as you follow those variables and understand, like you might only hit, you know, like this. Okay. So that squat was a PR, mm -hmm. um, all time PR squat for me. Last prep, I hit 700 in training and I hit 700 on the the platform. Now I probably could have had a little bit more. Sure. Um, but you know, I only got one, well, one crack at it cause I missed the first, the second attempt on depth, uh, at my first 700, but like squat 700. Okay. I'm going to squat 700 in the meat. I've never had that big jump. And that's the thing is like, even me knowing that I still should have known, like I can possibly go get something higher, 720, 730, 740. Yeah. You know, so, um, especially new lifters, it's like, Whatever you hit in training, that's, like I said, it's not the end all. Like, that's not what you're capped at for hitting at right. the meet. You could blow those numbers away. You gain another 40, 50 pounds at the meet. You never know. Or sometimes so. it works the opposite way if you're yeah. very nervous or, I mean, you're doing three lifts in one day. So yeah. you might not deadlift what you were deadlifting in training yeah. on a day when you're fresh and that's the only lift you're doing. So, yeah. well, it's like you take, um, you know, things aren't always going to go perfect too. Like yeah. Lindsay goes out this meet, this, the meet, you know, prior in this thing, she did two meets back to back, but just what, seven weeks ago or whatever, she's hitting all time PRs. You know, she hits a total PR, all that. She comes out this meet and she gets, um, she got called for depth on her first squat. That could have just immediately wrecked her mindset, wrecked her meet, you know, and you can't allow things to do that. Things are going to go wrong. Um, I've done it before where I've walked out and missed my opener on depth. Um, but she still, you know, obviously had to come out, take that second attempt at the opener. But she still went after her goal. She still went out. She jumped to the 402, mm -hmm. which was damn close. Like she had the strength for it. And they, you know, they got her on depth on the third. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thing, things go wrong. Um, she could have just been like, okay, I'm done. And I, I've seen it at meets and I saw it this meet where someone got real pissy and their, the rest of their meet was trash. Yeah. Like, I mean, they didn't, they, uh, damn near bombed out then on their bench because they were so fucked up in the head. Yep. Um, where she came out, you know, she hits her, her bench grindy PR. Bench and, is my only loyal. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, I always hit a bench PR and that's, that's it. But she still went out, you know, she had fun. And that's, that's why I remind her of is like, you did back to back meet. You're at this meet. Yes, you have a goal, but you're also here just but to have fun. But I also fun. signed up last minute to yeah. have fun. So. Yeah, to have fun with everyone. And that's like, you know, it's Iron Mafia's last meet. Like, right, let's just right. go have fun. We'll be able to compete together. It'll be a fun day. And that was what the first so, time in how many years that you guys got to compete together? Four. Four, yeah. Four. 
Because what was it, West Virginia meet? Mm-hmm. That that was the first one I came down yeah. with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you know, it, it's it kind of goes back to what we said before. Is like we both could have just been pissed off, angry, like not had fun all day, and it's like I think as you get more experience, you get more relaxed. Yeah, and exactly. that's and, that, and the meets where I've been the most relaxed and just had the most fun talk to people my headphones are out most of the day mm-hmm. those are the best meets i've had i mean like the surge meet that i did in october obviously that's the best total i've ever gotten pr'd on my lifts i don't think i put my headphones in once that day like yeah joking around during warm-ups talking to people yep i think you know and i think it depends like what sport you're playing what your personality is because you look at like um, like an MMA fighter isn't going to walk in to the cage and, you know, well, unless you're Conor McGregor, like being cocky, <laughs> yeah, to the other guy <laughs> smiling at him or whatever, you know, but it's like internally, you know, he's ready to go. And that's like mm-hmm. a confidence, like turn yeah. on to him. But like, he seems like he's having a fun time. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, everyone reacts different. I can remember, you know, cause I playing sports growing up. It's like, uh, take football, for example, like you'd have guys in the locker room. Like me, once I walk through the door to head to the locker room, it's like game face or stone faced. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You know, and like I don't say much to people. I don't really talk much. I'm just like going through everything in my head, ready to go, getting a little bit ragey and stuff as we get closer to the game. And then you got guys that like joking around, slapping towels at each other, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and it's like um, some were dancing around. And I remember like coaches used to always get angry. And I look back at it now completely different. It's like coaches used to get angry. Like, why are you guys screwing around? You know, come in yelling, like everyone should be serious and all this. No, like, you know, you, you don't realize it till later, but like that's some guys ways of like relaxing, having fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, once and, they're on the field, and, they're and once ready they're on the field, they're ready to go. Yeah, their, yeah. The snap or whatever they do in football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll However, that goes. It. I still don't understand yeah. football, but yeah. they're focused. They're ready to go. They have their game face yeah. on, and I think you can apply that to the platform too. Like, mm-hmm. I know a few lifters out. I'm quiet. I'm focused. Yeah. I think like visualization is something that has worked really well for yeah. me. Like, I'll picture myself hitting the lift, and once you step on the platform, turn it on. And everyone's like, everyone's again, like I, I can relate it back, you know, in sports, like there was guys in that locker room that end up going on to play pro sports. Mm-hmm. And like some of them were the same guys that danced around and had fun and smiled and stuff. And then they go on the field and just wreck everybody, you know? Yeah. And it's like, then you had the guys that were like stone face serious that never even got on the field, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, it's all about your own personality. Same with like some of the best lifters in the world. If you watch them, like when they go to lift, it's like. I mean, some of them are just complete, like, you would think they're ready to murder someone. I mean, they're, <laughs> you look at them and you're like, Jesus, I hope they don't have a knife. Like, they're going <laughs> to shank somebody. You know what I mean? But then they walk off the platform smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll hit a big PR. Or maybe they even, like, I missed that lift. I kind of walked off laughing. It's, and it's because I had a, I had a good day and I was just like, ah, oh, I knew I had that. But like, um, you know, some of the nicest people that I've met, are also some of the craziest lifters that I've ever met. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So it's like just because that person you see them for ten seconds just immensely intense, it's not like that person just walks around like that all right. day. You have to know when to bring it and when not to. So um that's gonna go back to like Lindsay's known as like the smiley lifter. You know? <laughs> she smiles after all of her, her attempts or <laughs> most of, of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Or if she hits a gym lift, she's smiley, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all about your own personality and what's going to work for you. There's it some might pe- take a while to find yeah. what does work for you, yeah. but when you figure it out, yeah. you know you can turn and that on. There's pe- there's some people that aren't intense uh, externally, but like you know internally they're fired up. The, the blood's got to be pumping yeah. or else you wouldn't hit the lift, you know what I mean? So I think that's another thing. If you are one of those like introverts that are just not going to express it, like you at least need to build it up inside and um, just be confident in your lift. I think that's the biggest thing is confidence. If you know you can do it yep. or think mm-hmm. you can do it, you're probably going to be able to do it. So um, if you I'm, walk up to the bar questioning like, oh, I don't know, this might be heavy. Like, then it's going to feel 10 <laughs> times heavier. Heavy. As soon as you think that. And the, the, I think it, confidence if you is look huge, at, yeah. you know, it was on my original business card and that's why it's on our shirts now. Um, 
about how the um, the body will go on, only go as far as the mind allows it, mm-hmm. and like that's the truth of of any physical endeavor you're ever going to do. Or I mean, you could take that anywhere. You know, like you're only going to be able to go as far as your own mind's going to allow you to go. Right. If you have limiters on it, then you that's your limit. You're not going any further. So, I'm definitely one of the introverts that you mm-hmm. mentioned. So when I go to a gymnastics meet. Like I'll laugh and I'll like, I have so much energy and adrenaline from being there. Um, and it comes back to your point of like being in the zone and figuring out like, what is being in the zone for you? Like mm-hmm. I have to get that energy out or else I'm just shaking. Yeah. Um, because I get to see people that I only see at competitions. I get to do something, um, that I'm really, really excited about. I just worked my ass off for months and months to go do this thing. So I have to get that out. And then when it actually comes to do the event, I get very quiet Mm -hmm. and I I don't look angry. I don't look scared. Basically I just go blank. Like, and I'm just in my head and I'm just like, I'm going through things. But the times that I've been the most relaxed, regardless of kind of like going to that place inside or not is when I was the most prepared. Mm -hmm. And because you can be confident it's like, I know what to do. I can calm down right now. I don't have to think about routines. I don't have to think about skills. I don't have to think about what I'm going to be doing because I've gone over it enough times. I've done enough time. And then lo and behold, those are the ones where I have the most fun afterward. And yeah, like, yeah, I've made mistakes. Like you, I've had errors on things. I get really pissed off afterward. But uh, Lindsay, when you said like, you have to figure out what works best for you in that situation. Like mine is, all right, You've got two minutes. You can go have your little hissy fit, mm-hmm. like throw a tantrum about the fact that you just fucked up on vault or on floor or on rings, whatever it is, and then let it go because yeah. you've got a job to do. Come back and do it. What do you need to do? And for some reason, giving myself permission to be like, yeah, I messed up and come back. Like it made all the difference. Mm-hmm. But those first couple of years of doing it, I had no idea. Like I just carry that through every single event. Yeah. Afterward, yeah. and Especially ruin everything. Especially when you're in a sport that you have, like powerlifting, we have multiple lifts. So if mm-hmm. I messed up, well, I did mess up on squats, and I'm pissed the rest of the day, and I carry that into my other lifts. One, I'm not going to have a fun day. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like connect with anyone, which is like one of the most fun parts about powerlifting. Yeah, I'm not going to like be able to have fun watching Justin do his thing, which is why we were there in the first place. And I mean, two, probably not going to have the best like i probably wouldn't have hit a bench pr if i'm yeah. like down on myself and when you're gonna have you're gonna have ups and downs yeah. so like take my two meets prior to this it's like i go in um when i hit the 1857 my second attempt squat was really rough and i was like i don't you know i don't know what's even left there you know what i mean like and then mm-hmm. you question your you don't have yeah. confidence so it's like so yourself. i didn't even take a third attempt squat you know and i was like let's see, you know, let's move on. Bench started flying. So I actually had a bench PR that day, like bench floated. But if I would have took like, man, I don't know. That second attempt was really heavy. Like maybe I don't have it today. You know, maybe I'm not strong today Yeah, and carried that into my bench. Bench probably would have felt 10 times heavier, Yep. you know, but instead go out, hit the bench PR and I'm like, okay, now to the fun lift. Like my deadlift is usually game on right mm-hmm. so like i go out and um hit a deadlift pr and it flies off the ground as uh, 705 flies off the ground and like i jump to 727 <laughs> and you know <laughs> slips out of my hand because i didn't grip it right and it slips out of my hand once i get past my knees um you know but it's like okay pr day like two out of the three lifts went pretty well mm-hmm. you know in my standard but still overall pr right Come around to my last meet where I oh, I totaled 1825, so my total went down a bit. Come out, I get my 700 squat. Cool, yeah, you know, happy. Adrenaline's yeah. fine. Get my 700 squat on the platform. Um, go to bench, and I'm still going to blame that bench. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this slick, narrow fucking bench. <laughs> um, I end up having the worst bench time that I've ever had in a meet. Like I've never, I mean, this bench was terrible. I mean, I've never, (laughs) you watch all my meets. I've never slid on a bench. I've never moved on a bench. I've never like shot up and been so wobbly and stuff like that Mm -hmm. has never happened. Um, so hundred percent bench's fault. (laughs) All right. Not mine, but uh, you know, so I grind out a lift that flies off my chest. Cause again, slippery bench, but like that, I kind of carried with me at that point. I was like, well, 
you know, okay, it's only like eight pounds shy of my PR, you know, and, and I like had mixed feelings about it. But once I went into deadlift and deadlift felt a little bit heavier and I felt like my grip was starting to slip, mm-hmm. my mind was shot. I only got my opener deadlift, which um, I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, I've had where it's felt heavier and I just haven't done well. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, once it starts slipping out of here, my mind was done. You know? Yeah. So it's like you're going to have these ups and downs throughout the meet and you have to try to keep it together. Yeah. Like if you, if you can go nine for nine and every lift flies and everything's perfect, um, you were either highly in the zone that day or you just didn't try at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those meets yep. are rare. No, it's very, get one or two during your lifting career. I guess. Yeah. It's <laughs> very, very, very rare to have a meet where it's like, you're hitting above training numbers and everything's flying and like, you're just in that zone. Right. I mean, it's what well, I know what happened this past meet. Like I know taking different attempts, I probably could have totaled somewhere in the 1930, 1940 range. All right. Um, I know that my debt last deadlift, I reached for it for personal reasons rather than going to like seven thirty three or something and mm-hmm. making the lift. Um, but you know, so I know like, pushing a little bit I could have had a higher total um but still like the way that meet flew that's not going to happen every time right you know I can't expect that the next meet like oh okay everything's gonna fly you know and I'm gonna squat 40 pounds above what I did in in training again you know maybe it happens Mm -hmm. but it it's not it's great to go in there with that goal yeah and hope hope for it you know have that good mindset and and know and be confident like that did set up confidence for later like i don't need to hit this in training to hit this on the platform but you you also have to like understand you're gonna have if i keep doing this let's say for 10 more years or something i'm gonna have a shitty meet in there you're mm-hmm. not you're not going to have all these perfect meets. It doesn't matter doesn't how well matter. you plan ahead of yeah. time and how much you look to prepare. There's yeah. always some kind of outside factor that you yeah. might not have accounted for. I think that's what keeps people um I think that's what gets people out of powerlifting and what keeps people in. It's all about your personality there. Mm-hmm. Some people can't handle the fact that like they think once their total goes down or once um, they didn't hit a big PR or that they have a plateau for, a or little they have a bit. plateau for a little bit that, Oh, I can't get any stronger. Like they don't want it like that. It's not a, they're just not in it for the right reason at that yeah. point. Like you're not, you don't like the process. You don't love the process. You know, I said after this meet that, um, you know, I'm going to be taking a break back and taking a step back and not going to compete fo- for like not, at least a year, not going to compete for like a year. And I'm going to focus on it. Cause we have a big, 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 uh, life year coming up of just all these things in our lives. Like that me and her need to do, mm-hmm. um, another business venture most likely and all that stuff, like all these things coming up and what am I doing? I'm already looking to compete you know, <laughs> in, the spring. in the spring, hopefully in like May or something. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's because I love that process. You know what I mean? So, oh no, I get it. I get um, it. Yeah. I think a lot of people, if you're, if you, if you feel it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but there's people that don't have that, again, that right mindset to keep going. You got to like what you do or else you're not going to have fun doing it. So, so the couple of key things that I'm hearing as we're going through, like the confidence is the big one is like figuring out how to instill that. That sounds like both, leading up to the meet mm-hmm. for example That's like definitely built in training yeah yeah um even on using your squat for an example where like well that felt shaky four weeks out yeah you know finding a way to make yourself get as confident as you can be controlling the other factors around that so it can show up you know as best yeah. as possible on the comp day uh the visualization and the envisioning that Lindsay was talking about like just getting your mind right and mm-hmm. seeing yourself doing things but that last part which i think is one of the most fun to dive into is like feeling like you're in the zone Mm -hmm. or like have that flow state because you mentioned something at the beginning where you've actually like reduced your caffeine intake because you don't want to be overstimulated. Mm -hmm. Um, and it ends up going both ways where like you obviously, you want to be hyped up when you're there. You want to use that adrenaline to your advantage. Like when you went into the deadlift, you want to have that rage come out so that you can Mm -hmm. use it to your advantage. But knowing how to turn that on and off that's not just in the moment that's a lot of things leading up to it like the the preparation and the ability to feel confident has a big part on that too 
um, not letting the outside factors pull you out of that. Um, Cause you could have, um, I don't know if you remember like the, the bell curve of stimulation that they talk about mm-hmm. in X science, where it's like, you want to be like right there in that sweet spot in the middle yeah. and figuring out how to get there. That's different for everybody. Like maybe for some people they need, a dose of caffeine mm-hmm. like on that day in order to get them there. Maybe somebody else needs to make sure that they have even less because like I was saying for me, if I have anything like that, I'm shaky. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. way over yeah. the top too much energy because there's so much other adrenaline inducing yeah. situations for me that like, I've got to keep myself as calm as possible. Yeah. Like that one in particular, I think is really interesting to look at for people. And I think if like, again, taking it back to like, early days like if you grew up playing sports i feel like you know or like her growing up in dance like i'm sure like there was a little bit of nervousness Mm -hmm. but then that spotlight comes on you and i might be wrong but like that spotlight comes on you and you're on the stage and like you kind of just flow Mm -hmm. and it's like very similar you kind of just black out yeah (laughs) you just go you know what i mean i um I can remember through like playing sports, uh, especially like it's I always reverted back to football. Cause like when I play baseball, it's like kind of calm. You get a little adrenaline when like you're up to bat or something yeah. or like in a situational thing where you need to gun someone down or whatever. Um, basketball is like one of those things you might be in the zone and hit every shot and then you might miss every shot the next mm-hmm. game. Um, but like in football, it's like, you know, quick play five, six, seven, eight seconds, maybe, you know what I mean? And then you got to calm down you got to, do you know what I mean? You yep. almost have to like bring it back it off, bring it back it off. And it's like constantly like that. Um, so if you're just there like crazy ass the whole time, you know, you're probably, you're probably going to, even though you're young, you're going to feel shitty. And it's like, I can remember, um, you know, on like, take like a kickoff, for example. So our team was different. A lot of people put their scrubs on kickoff. Mm-hmm. We always put like, he called it, the 10 hardest motherfuckers on the team go on kickoff. Like if you're not a straight killer, you're not on kickoff because they want to set that tone from the beginning. And every time that other team gets the ball that we're going to hit you in the mouth. Like it's the fastest, hardest hitting guys. (laughs) And, um, like that's how our coach described it. He's like, if you're, if you're not a killer, you're not on kickoff. Got it. That's all it is. That's all. And like, he would always reiterate that this guy had like a way of like this special teams coach. He had a way of hyping you up that it's like, I've not, I've honestly like, he's probably one of the best coaches or like people I had in my life. Um, but it's like, he would get you so fired up that like, it was the same way. Like as if I'm going to hit a lift, like I'm, I'm going to go down and kill that motherfucker. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to like, he brought that out in you, but it's like, okay flop over to defense now it's time to calm down let's you know focus yeah. do whatever we got to do on certain plays but then like oh here he comes around the you know i played outside backers it's like here he comes around the corner i'm gonna kill that motherfucker for like those two seconds and then you gotta calm down and it's like mm-hmm. you need to know like when when you get in those zones like you gotta be able to calm yourself back a little bit yeah and then you have to bring it you know and if you watch um you know, I know like LeBron's talked about, you know, Kobe used to talk about like, like Jordan used to talk about like all these great players in basketball. It's like when you get into those hype zones, they're still calm. Yeah. So it's like, um, I know it sounds like very, uh, I sound like a yoga person right now. I was going to say Zen. Very Zen. Yes. <laughs> Be very flow, you know, but, um, it's one of those things you don't typically see it in lifters for a few years. Yeah, I was gonna say it's something. It takes time it's a balance to develop. It takes time. Yeah, and practice and self awareness. I think yeah. that you have to know kind of that you want to develop that yeah. balance and kind of find again what works yeah. best for you. Like because you see it in the beginning, it's it's the two extremes. Either they're not hype enough and can't bring it out, or yeah. they're just over crazy hype the whole time and it's like i think that goes back to your personality but you have to like you have, you have to, to learn figure to that out yeah. you have to figure it out you or have else to learn to get with the confidence thing get out of yeah. your head not doubt yourself because yeah i mean i know i've reverted back to that a little bit this meet with my squat i was especially after i missed my opener i was really anxious really in my head felt like i was gonna throw up the whole time and that obviously did not serve me well so yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're gonna mess up. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good meet though. It's, it was fun. it's still fun. It's one of those um, one of those things like if you've been to like Iron Mafia's meets like, and you've been to other meets, it's 
it's even hard to with just, it's the hard. COVID, the atmosphere yeah. was still there. Yeah, it's hard to describe. It's just it's completely different. But um, yeah, I mean, we could go on forever on game day mindset, but let's get to some questions. <laughs> let's do it. Q and A time. Guess uh, how frequently should an athlete compete in powerlifting or weightlifting? Um, you know, and my answer to that was. In the beginning, um, for powerlifting, I'd say like two to three meets per year uh, for the first two years is probably about average. Um, and it's something that, depending, again, what level you come in at, you're probably going to be capable of doing. Yeah. Um, I would say most people do two a year. Um, and then as you get going, you might have those spans where it's, you know, an eight to 12 month in between a meet once in a while, just because you need that time to build, you need that time to um, refine and everything and you need to go through it, it, I, And I have this a lot where athletes will, let's say, um, for example, like do let's say they're getting into like that medium tier where things are, you need a little bit more time to develop Yeah, and they'll do a meet like I did December and then they'll be already like, yeah, I want to compete in March. Like, uh, I mean, if you can't like count out weeks to yeah, count out those weeks, like you're going to have like three or four weeks here to go through that's your off season that's your build time mm -hmm. like even if we waited to like okay we're just going to build build and then just peak at the end it's probably not optimal um unless like maybe you just blew away all your lifts and that's a thing where we know okay you know 16 weeks from now 18 weeks from now there's probably going to be more weight there yeah then okay yeah we could probably do something like that but like if you had to grind your lifts and you pushed it's probably not going to work um, so as you get more experience and especially when you get up to those upper levels, there are some people I can still do three, four meets a year, which is insane to me. Um, and it all matters too, is like when the athlete is coming into their prime, because there's a lot of people. And especially if you're at those levels, you're, you know, taking whatever, uh, PEDs that you need to get there. Like there's guys and girls that can push through a few meets, um, relatively back to back to back. Like I've seen it where someone competes three times within six or seven months and they hit PRs the whole way up. You know, so yeah. um, not to say it can't happen, but uh, weightlifting being more dynamic, a lot of times they do train through meets where they're, um, they're training. They, they don't necessarily like peak and max out and everything through it. Um, they may, might hit a lift, that's heavier too, obviously. And then the meat is kind of a catalyst for like more training, more experience. And then they just kind of keep going. They don't really back down or anything. Um, so for them, especially being a dynamic sport, like three to four, but as they get better, they start to back off a little bit more too. Um, Those first couple of years with the powerlifting where you said they do say like two or three, is that more of a, a learning experience to kind of get through meets and figure yeah. out that whole learn, process? Learn the process, learn the meets. Cause a lot of times, um, they're probably going to screw up something in their first meet or two. Mm -hmm. So they lost pounds right there anyway. Um, so gaining them more comfortability, more experience, the weights are able to, um, typically they should be able to progress, um, and keep progressing during that time. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it to do more meets. I would rather see them you know, hit a meet, let's get a total on the board and let's build off that. Cause I've had a lot of them where they do their first meet and it's time to build. And all of a sudden they're reverting back to like old habits because they haven't had enough time in to have the, um, to have their technique down. Yeah. So what happens during prep, a lot of times when you get heavier is you have something called technique decay. So like you're, Technique, while it should still be sound, when you start to hit those limit weights, like your technique isn't as sound and you're not doing as many reps and the you know, neurological factors aren't there. Um, so when you have that decay coming out of the meat and going back down, a lot of times their technique starts to falter. Um, we back off and if their nutrition's not right, sleep's not right, all these things aren't right. When they go start to go through the off season, we get into those reps those reps feel very heavy. So we have to start very low. So it might take a second to get back up to those peak weights. But if you want to compete three months later, we didn't have any time to yep. work at that, you know, 80% range or 75% range, um, for reps and things like that. We didn't have any time to build anything. Mm -hmm. So I like then to have a little bit more build time 
go into the second meet confident, hit some PR, you know what I mean? Yep. And kind of do it that way. So that's my whole, uh, I know one of the things I've seen with Dan, with the Olympic weightlifters here, uh, especially, uh, when they were training and there were no meets to go to, like he would program that in where it's like, Hey, we're going to go into this Saturday after, you know, whatever block we're in. And we're going to treat this essentially as a competition. We're going to see what your mm-hmm. weights would be Single going in. Yeah, single, yeah, single <laughs> Saturday. Um, so when you're talking about, it's almost like a train through where if you can, or if, if the coach can find those meets that fit in line with the programming, like you mm-hmm. go in and like, all right, that's essentially like your max out like you would have anyway. And their eye is always on, you know, states or nationals. Yeah. The next question uh, that I had on there, this one, I've kind of gotten variations of this before. So, um, I don't know, it's a very weird question. Someone asked, um, what's what's better to count macros or weigh your food and which would provide the best results? Um, Sorry. And it's like, yeah, it's, um, it's, you're essentially doing the same thing. The only thing that like to count macros, you just have to log your food. If you're weighing your food, you're already basically counting your macros, just log just have to track it. or yeah, log it, you know, track it on my fitness pal. Or if you're old school and do the actual math on it, you have to do the math. And like, those are the macros you just ate. Every thing you eat has macros. So it doesn't matter what diet you're on. You can be on keto carnivore, whatever, you know, um, diet you want to call it. Um, and you're eating macros. So when people say like, you know, um, I had someone say one time that macro macros didn't work for them. That means that eating doesn't work for you. <laughs> like, yeah. like that makes absolutely yeah. no sense because any like, okay, maybe macros didn't work for you because you didn't adhere to them. That might be why. Yeah, maybe it didn't work for you because you were too lazy to weigh your food, you know, maybe but you just had the maybe, wrong macro numbers. Say, maybe you, you just have the wrong before. macro numbers. Yes. Um, but someone said, yeah, macros don't work for me. And they reverted back to keto. And it's like, you're still you, eating. A you're still eating certain number of macros. macros yeah. You don't. Day. Yeah. What he should have said, if he wanted to have an argument was like, cause he went to keto is like, Oh, eating carbs doesn't work for me. Then we could have had a conversation yeah. of why don't you think they work for you? And you know what I mean? F- figure that one out. Um, cause nine times out of 10, that's completely false. Um, can someone help me understand about the whole weighing your food as an option for dieting? Like, do people really just do that and stop? I mean, does that come from some of the nutritional I, information where it's like I you think, should have six ounces of fish a week? Yeah, or, I think I think it's eight or something like that. I think it's the I plate. <laughs> I think it's the plate portion type thing that he's probably thinking about. Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have four to five ounces of lean meat with a oh, cup like of veggies. Yeah, a cup okay. of veggies and a half cup of rice or something. I think that's maybe what he was thinking of. Is like he just weighs out his food and has, you know, five meals a day with this food. Well, you're still, you can figure out the macros and it's still going to be more efficient because then right. you're actually macros, you know, put through the math equals a certain amount of calories. And that's the main driver of your food intake. Like, sure, we have our micros, we have all these other things that mm-hmm. need to be checked and balanced, but like your uh, macros equal calories and that is what makes you there. So, Science. um the only thing I can think of is like, um, long, long, long time ago, um, I tried the zone diet, which was like, you had so many blocks, um, to eat in a day and you need to break up those blocks. Okay. So what it would be, it would be like, um, you would have to weigh out your food, but it would be like, you know, this certain amount of protein equaled one block or whatever, two blocks of that food. So it was like portioning basically. Okay. Um, and you might be on a 20 block day, a 30 block day or whatever. So like, okay, this meal had four blocks because, you know, half cup of, I don't remember if this is true, but like half cup of rice is one block. Uh, six ounces of meat is two blocks basically. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Um, what it did, I think more than anything was clean up your diet and make you eat more meals throughout the day that were. In certain, um, you know, in certain time frames and things like that. Yeah. But like it, 
was still in the end just based off of macros and calories. Yeah. So, um, but it was an interesting thing to do and try. And I think if anything, it caused uh, adherence to like eating, uh, you know, quote unquote, healthier diet, cleaner diet, things yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's always kind of a weird one to me. I always get variation questions off of that. Um, let me get to another question here. Let's do one more. One more. Lindsay's keeping us to a strict time schedule today. <laughs> it was, uh, when is it better to overeat and, and undereat in a prep? Actually, like, read that a little bit wrong. Eh, my answer still makes sense. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I like I said in there that, you know, basically when in a prep, you should be overeating. By, or at maintenance. Or at, at maintenance. Or it means, but typically like if you're going to overeat during a prep, it is good to overeat. Let me explain this this way is <laughs> you're going to need, I feel like you just went into like professor mode right yeah. there. <laughs> you need a little bit more calories to help that repair process to help the recovery process. It sort of depends. Again, it's, there's so many variables to this. It's like, what's your programming look like? If you're doing a top double and then two accessories, no, you don't, you're not going to need as much food. But if you have some volume in there still and it's early in prep plus volume of accessories, plus maybe you are doing, um, still doing like some form of sustained cardio, low impact cardio, um, or even like a hit training, you know, once a week or something, um, you're going to need a little bit more calorie consumption. So what I said in there is like generally, you know, anywhere from if you're going to be over two to 500 calories, um, which clearly if you're only eating, you know, 1500 calories a day, don't jump to 2000. You know what I mean? Don't go on the high end of it, but you don't need that much more food um, to help maintain, to help repair, to help build, um, because if you eat too much, you're just going to gain too much body fat and it's useless body fat at that point. Um, and they've actually done studies where like, especially like through, you know, hypertrophy phase where you're trying to build muscle. Um, those few hundred calories are kind of optimal to build muscle and limit fat. Whereas like if you overeat, you're, uh, the ratio is off. So you're not building as much muscle and you're storing, you you might be building as much muscle, but you're storing more fat. So it becomes almost like useless calories unless you're trying to be, you know, 400 pounds or something. You have, you have to gain a lot, you know, but, um, what I, and then why I says like, if you're going to under eat and I, I'm assuming like the only time you'd really want to do that is if you're cutting, that should be done way earlier anyway. Like maybe even before prep, then you can maintain during prep. Mm -hmm. And if you need to, okay, maybe that let's see where the output puts you. So if you're still doing some sustained cardio plus your prep plus, you know, like when I start to lift heavy, my metabolism shoots up. Yeah. I get hungry. You know what I mean? Um, so plus like I put in there too, like it depends. What are you taking? Are you taking PEDs? Are you not taking PEDs? That's mm -hmm. going to matter too. Um, but like if you're under eating to make the cut, that should be done well before prep. You don't want to be like five weeks out and, oh my God, I have to restrict calories, but now I'm going about to peak like while no. under eating. No, that's not smart. You're asking to get injured. You're asking to not repair. Um, you know, and then later, obviously a lot of people cut water or whatever the last week or so, mm -hmm. um, which you can be, you know, I went from two 43 wake up two forty four wake up, um, three days out to, I weighed in at two thirty seven point five, and I still ate a lot. Um, in terms of like normal P I mean, in terms of my own eating, I was still eating pretty good. I mean, the day before weigh-ins we were traveling, but like, um, I still woke up, did I have my breakfast burrito that morning? Mm -hmm. I think so. I had my breakfast burrito that morning. It's, you know, 800 calorie burrito, let's call it, you know, it's got bacon and everything else. It's got sodium. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, had some fruit in there. Um, I just basically tried not to eat too much. That was going to like, I didn't eat, um, like yogurts or anything that was going to slow down too much. I even had steak, which I normally wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, I had a steak, um, steak, rice and vegetables for lunch before we left. And, um, normally I wouldn't do that cause the steak will slow things down a little bit on the drive. Um, 
you know, stopped, got a Wendy's chicken sandwich. Um, what I eat when we got down there? I'm trying to remember. Oh, beef and rice. And then I wanted to make sure I could sleep. So I had a bowl of cereal to like have a little bit more in because I was really hungry. Yeah. And I was drinking water all day and I still drifted down, um, dropped another like two, two and a half pounds that day into the next. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as you get near that end, like for me, I was just simply like not working out as much. My muscles aren't holding as much water, things like that. Things aren't opened up as much. Um, you know, my sodium, I limited a little bit, but that's just natural. Like I didn't do anything. I wasn't trying to cut water or anything. So you can cut down a decent amount through the water manipulation also, or water cutting. So while you want to be in a good spot and you don't want to drop out too much of a percentage of your body weight with that water, as long as you're close through dieting, Mm -hmm. a couple pounds isn't going to kill you to to just take out the water. So you don't necessarily need to under eat. I think that's one of the, the most, um, uh, over utilized things is people cut their food dramatically during the, uh, during the week to make weight to get those last like three, four or five pounds out when you don't need to do it. So I think we talked about one point about weight cutting going into competitions and uh, better ways to do it. I need to do it, but that's a really good topic. That would be good to revisit at some point. Um, I think that's about, I mean, we have more questions, but we'll cut it there. Doing our best to catch up on the backlog of Q and A's. Yeah. Um, next time we post them, please ask more. Um, though, cause Even we, though you yeah, we, we always, we always like to have plenty on tap that way. Uh, if we do decide to do a Q and a episode or, um, just simply it's, it's nice to have them so we can answer them. So, um, you guys got anything else? Nope. Christmas is coming up. Yay. Yay. Holidays. Yay. If there is a question from any of the podcasts that you want answered or in depth more, you can put those in the Q and A's too yeah. that we can go back and revisit. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we pretty much covered it again. Um, like we went over today, keep your mind right. Keep your training right. Keep your mind right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that yeah, note, on that we're, we're out of here. Thank you. Have a good one.